Welcome to the First Baptist Church Keller Sermon Podcast. Each week we make available sermons from Pastor Keith and our staff on our website, fbckeller.org. And on iTunes, search for First Baptist Church Keller TX in the iTunes Store or in the podcast app on your mobile device. And now, here's our associate pastor to families, Tony Richmond. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the title of today's sermon is Each One Service That Includes the Whole Body. Each One Service That Includes the Whole Body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 25. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. Let's read it together. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. Now, even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, And we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He has desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem 
to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our much more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Each one service that includes the whole body. Now throughout Scripture, we find three institutions that are God-ordained. That means that God established them. The first institution that we see established by God is the institution of marriage. The second, the institution of the church. And the third, the institution of government. And since all of these things are God's idea, we do not have the liberty to define for ourselves what they are or how they should function. With marriage, we're not free to define marriage to be what we think it should be because it was God's idea. So we have to search the Scriptures to see how God defines it and to know how it should function according to God's design. Well, the local church is the same. It's instituted by God. So we do not have the liberty to do church however we think church should be done. We must look at what the Bible teaches about the church and seek to align our fellowship with what the church teaches about who we are and how we should function. That is why over the course of the last few weeks, we've started this series of sermons on church membership. Because the Bible says a lot about church membership. The Bible has a lot to say about how the local church should function. So two weeks ago, Pastor Keith started this series by talking about how we should love God and love one another. About how everything we do according to 1 Corinthians 13 should be done with an attitude of sacrificial love for the Lord and for one another. If we don't have love, we don't have anything. We certainly don't have a church. And last week, Pastor Scott taught, taught about stewardship. That in order for a church to be healthy, we must wisely manage and faithfully manage all that the Lord has entrusted to our care. Well, today, we're going to talk about service. The idea of service in the local church. And let me remind you of a couple things. In um, our process of church membership here at First Baptist Keller, we have two documents that we use to guide what it means and looks like to be a church member at First Baptist Keller. 
The first one is our doctrinal statement. It's the Baptist faith and message. The doctrinal statement of our church answers the question, what do we believe? It's theology. It's doctrine. It's a way for us to communicate the basics of what we believe the Bible to teach. So when a person comes in as uh, seeking membership in for, at First Baptist Keller, they are required to affirm the teachings that are outlined in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. It's not us simply saying, here's what we believe. In order to be a member of First Baptist Keller, you have to say, this is what I believe. Now, why is that important? Well, because we believe theology matters. Why does theology matter? Because theology is simply the teachings of the truth of Scripture. And so for, in order for us to be a faithful and biblical church, we must be in alignment with what the Bible says is true. What our theology is, is important. And so when a person seeks membership here, they must affirm that these things are true. Now, some denominations, some faith traditions have gotten in trouble at this point. Because maybe at one time they started off with good theology. They started off teaching truthful things about who Jesus is and what the church is. But over the course of time, people joined their churches who did not believe those things. And as a result, the church left Orthodox Christianity and is now something different altogether. As a result, theology matters. We want to get theology right. But theology in and of itself can't stand on its own. We must seek to apply the implications of those beliefs in our lives. So the second document that we use is called the Church Covenant. If the Baptist faith and message, our doctrinal statement, answers the question, what do we believe? The church covenant answers the question, then how should we live? And these things that we're preaching through and about are outlined in our church covenant. Love, stewardship, today, service. Let me read to you the article entitled Service from our church covenant. Here's what it says. We seek to build up the body by identifying and using our spiritual gifts in service to God. We strive to actively seek a place of ministry for these gifts to be applied in the context of our local body. So if you are a member of First Baptist Keller, whether you realize it or not, you have covenanted to identify and utilize your spiritual gifts for the edification of this body to the service of God. And that's what we want to talk about today 
from 1 Corinthians 12. How that concept applies to every single one of us. Now, this idea of service, we're familiar with very much. Just this last week, my family and I, we went on a little road trip for our family vacation. And our last stop was in the Smoky Mountains in East Tennessee. And a number of days that we were there, I pulled out my cell phone, and in the top right corner, you know what it said? No service. And that brought joy to my heart. <laughs> Nobody, I'm off the grid, right? Now some of you, that would have put you in a panic attack, especially those who are like 18 and under, right? This idea of, I don't have my phone, I'm going to die, right? It wasn't that bad. We survived. It's actually, but we're familiar with this idea of service. Some of you, you have a couple guys that show up every week to do your lawn service or your pool service, right? Our son Caleb, when he was nine or ten years old, he started a trash bin service where he takes people's dumpsters to the curb Sunday nights and puts them away on Monday mornings. We have this idea of service all around us. I've heard some of you all lament the fact that customer service just isn't what it used to be, right? Except maybe Chick-fil-A. Right? <laughs> they, they still get it right. Christian chicken, they know what they're doing. <laughs> they know what they're doing there. But this idea of service is all around us. But here's what I'm afraid of. We've brought those concepts of service and tried to apply them in the context of the church. See, here's the distinction. In those concepts of service, there's some business, and they're trying to satisfy their customer. Right? I'm a paying customer to my cell phone company, and I expect that when I pull out that phone to use it, that I will have service because I pay the bill. And if they don't deliver, I get upset. And unfortunately, that type of mindset has crept into some churches where church has become another aspect for consumer consumption. Right? It's this consumers, I go to church to get something. I go to church so that my tastes and my preferences can be met. And if that doesn't happen, I'll go find a church where my taste and my preferences are met. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that type of service is nowhere in the model of a healthy church. Instead, the model of service we see in Scripture is what Jesus pointed out. Remember what Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So this concept of service to the church is really antithetical to the concept of service that we see in the Christian life or in the, in the culture itself. But all throughout Scripture, there's this theme that's hit on time and time again. 
Jesus talked about service. Psalm 100, a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. It's familiar to us, especially those of us who can't sing because of the first verse. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. But the second verse is this, serve the Lord with gladness. You see, in the Bible, worship and service are connected. Worship and service are connected. Unfortunately, when we think of worship, sometimes our minds only go to singing. Yes, singing is a way that we can worship the Lord, but it's much bigger than only singing. It includes an entire life of serving the Lord and being used um, by Him. Uh, another passage that points this out is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Then it says this, this is your reasonable act of service or worship, depending on your translation. See, to serve God is to worship God. And so that's what's at stake here. What's at stake here in service, in using our spiritual gifts for the edification of the body is to worship the Lord. Now, when we study the Bible, a good principle in Bible study is to notice within a given passage words or phrases that are repeated. Because if they're repeated, that's an indication that the author is emphasizing some message um, in that passage. In the passage that we read a few moments ago from 1 Corinthians 12, there are a number of things that are repeated. This illustration about the body and hands and feet and the members. If you want to know where we get this concept of church membership, here you go. Right? But I want to point out three times in this passage where the Apostle Paul repeats the phrase, each one or everyone. And I want to use that to direct the rest of our time together. So let's look at the first one. Service of the Spirit, starting in verse 4. Service of the Spirit. He says there are varieties of gifts, the same Spirit, varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. Varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Here's the first one, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When we are saved by God and we're born again, we are given the Spirit of God because we are united with Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And a part of what that means is that He indwells us and He gives us spiritual gifts. So it's important in understanding this to understand that these spiritual gifts 
originate from God. They come from God. And because they come from God, they are gifts of grace to us. And before, because they're gifts of grace, they're associated with what Pastor Scott preached on last week, and that's stewardship. God has given to each one of us a spiritual gift. And we are responsible to be a faithful steward of what He's given to you. Now sometimes when we talk about stewardship, we automatically think about finances and money and this idea that some, at some point we will give an account to God for, if, for how we managed the little bit of money that He gave to us. But have you ever thought about your spiritual gifts or gift? That one day you will give an account for how you used this gift of grace that He gave you in the context of the local body for the edification of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because it came from God as a gift, we must steward it well. So we must think about what does that look like to steward it well? What does it look like for the health of this church? And brothers and sisters, here's the truth of today's sermon. Just give it to you. Our church, FBC Keller, will only be healthy if every one of its members is faithful in using their spiritual gift for the edification of this body. That's the only way we can be a healthy church. It takes everyone. It takes all of us to apply this. So not only does it come from the Spirit, here's some more good news. It's empowered by the Spirit. It's not up to us to make it work. It's not up to our personality. It's not up to our strength. It's not up to what I bring to the table. No, God gives it and God empowers it. And as a result, we can be sure that our gift is important and can be used by God to accomplish His will. Many of you just came out of Sunday school. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as the one who speaks the utterance of God. Listen to this. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. It's the strength of God in us that allows these gifts to go forth from us and do the edification in the life of another person, in the life of, in the life of a brother or sister in Christ. We can serve. You can serve the body. Not because you have the right personality or the tools or the training, but because you have the Spirit of God in you. As a result, you can serve. Now, 
Paul transitions at this point to talk about two spectrums or one spectrum and two ends of that spectrum as it relates to the way that we think about our gifts. Here's the first one. Look in verse 11. He says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. Here's the one side of the thinking. The reason that I don't serve is they don't need me. They don't need me. Look, when I come into the church and I look around, things seem to be going just fine without me. Things seem to be functioning. The ministries are going forth. Everything's seemingly doing fine. As a result, I can just come, sit, put in my time, leave, come back. I am not needed. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul debunks that type of thinking. He says, the hand can't say to the foot, because I'm not a foot, the body doesn't need me. Right? It's, he almost uses this humor talking about the body. These extremities are talking to one another. Well, because I don't have this gift and because I'm not like that, I'm not need. No, in order for our physical bodies to function, all the parts are necessary. Every part has a role to play. And for the local church to function and to be healthy according to God's design, every single member must be functioning according to what God's called them to do and serving by using their spiritual gifts. It's interesting, right? Because when we think about our gifts, we're tempted to be envious of other people's gifts and to think like this, well, if I only had their gifts, well, if I could only preach like Pastor Keith, then the Lord could use me. No, don't think like that. We need all the gifts. We need all the members to be functioning correctly. You know, some, sometimes though we can become envious of those who have a similar gift to us. And maybe the Lord in our perspective is using it more than the way he's using us. It's kind of like golfers, right? Golfers are typically not envious of those who are much better, of the Scotty Schefflers, of the Tigers, right? They're on a different playing field. The ones that we can become envious of are the ones who beat us by two or three strokes every time, right? They're the ones that we look at and say, that can apply to our spiritual gifts as well. I, why is God, God seems to be blessing them. God seems to be using them more effectively. What, well, what, am I broken? Uh, another illustration, uh, you've probably been to a Christmas gathering, maybe family or friends, and everybody's opening their gifts. If you're like our family, everybody has to do it one gift at a time, right? And they open the gift, and you can tell 
that they're disappointed, but they know that it's socially inappropriate to show that. So they don't like the gift, but they have to act like they like the gift. Oh, another tie. Thanks, right? Some of you have these stories in your family like, I'm, like we do. Every time you're together, you call the same stories over and over. One of those stories in our family is my sister-in-law growing up, she loved Barney, you know, the purple dinosaur that sang kid songs. and It's a little creepy, but she liked him. So she wanted Barney for Christmas. Well, my in-laws buy her a Barney, put it under the tree. She opens it Christmas morning, pulls out the Barney and says, I don't want this Barney. I want the real Barney. Now that's a silly illustration, but it can be true about spiritual gifts in the church. I don't want this gift. I want that gift. If I only had what they had, then I could be used in the church for some good, for God's purpose. Brother or sister, you have the Spirit of God. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, God has given to you individually exactly what He has willed for the good of this body of Christ. Use it. Apply it for the building of this body. Paul, like I said, uses humor here talking about these extremities. Let me give you one more example. I'm, I'm not a big poetry guy. I know that surprises some of you. But I ran across this poem. It illustrates it really well. It's called The Touch of the Master's Hand. Here's the way it goes. "'Twas battered and scarred. The auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks?' he cried. "'Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two. Only two, two dollars.' Who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three? But no, from the, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward, picked up the bow, then wiping the dust from the old violin, tightened the loosened strings and played a melody that was pure and sweet as a caroling angel would sing. The music ceased and the auctioneer with the voice that was quiet and low said, what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, who will make it two? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered. We do not quite understand what changed its worth, but swift came the reply the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioneered cheap to the thoughtless crowd 
much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a simple game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Brother and sister, let me give you some encouragement today, especially if you've been sitting on the sidelines thinking, I don't have anything to offer. I'm dusty. I don't have much functionality. I don't have much to give. You have the Lord in you, in the Spirit of God. And if you will identify and utilize your spiritual gift in the context of this body, that will be a service to the Lord and a service that is worth your while. So not only is there service of the Spirit, you can serve because your gift is specifically given. Thirdly, let's look at the service that's necessary for the body. Look in verse 18, it says this. But now, God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He desired. So if on one hand, the thinking is, I'm not needed, they don't need me, on the other end of the spectrum, on the other end of the spectrum, is the perspective, I don't need them. If this side is inferiority, I'm not needed. This side is superiority. They don't have anything to offer me. Evidently in the Corinthian church, some believers had come to the point of believing that they had made it. And they didn't need the other members. They didn't need the body of Christ in their lives. And brothers and sisters, let me say this kindly and compassionately and gently. We need one another. We're not strong enough to stand on our own. There is no lone ranger Christianity. We must come together as a body and serve one another and love one another and care for one another because we need one another. The Scripture says here at the, the latter parts of this passage, the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. We need each other. And the, the irony within the Corinthian church was they sought, they had divisions where they needed unity. They had divisions in their theology. Remember, they were saying, well, I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos, and I follow Cephas. They, that was division, where they should have been unified. No, we follow Christ. Right? The irony was that they sought uniformity where there should have been diversity in the gifts. Right? We're different. We have different gifts. 
The body has different parts, and that's by God's good design. And if we'll embrace that, we'll embrace that type of diversity and accept that as a good gift for God in our lives, we can be a church that's healthy. We can be a church that functions according to the design of God. Now, where's Paul going with all of this? Look in verse 25. He sums it up. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Here at FPC Keller, we like to say we enjoy a lot of unity. But if we're not very careful... Just like divisions, theologically, this, the enemy, Satan, will come in and seek to divide us along lines of giftedness. And because we're all not alike, that's a bad thing. No, we should embrace that and enjoy that and accept that into our lives. Now, here, Paul uses an incredible illustration of the body. Let me give you one final illustration today. Um, the orchestra that plays from time to time. I'm not a very musical person, but it's my understanding that when an orchestra plays, each section or each instrument, have, they're looking at different music. I mean... They're playing different music. And if you were to isolate one of those parts from a piece, you would have no clue probably what that piece would say. Hey, I have a little object lesson. I wanted to show you all my favorite instrument, if that's okay. My favorite instrument in the orchestra. Hey, I'm a simple guy. I like the name of this instrument, a triangle, right? Silly illustration, here's the truth. This instrument used at the right time in a composer's mind plays a big role in the piece, in the music, in the feel, in what that composer is seeking to do with the musical piece. Now, this in size is much different than a tuba, right? It's much different than something that is bigger, but it plays an important role. Some of you are waiting for it, so I'll just go ahead and do it. Okay, now, you good? Good. I didn't hit it in the first service, and about 48 people said, we were just waiting for you, so. <laughs> We've belabored the point this morning. We have the Spirit of God, and as a church, we are to identify, accept, and use those gifts. Now, some of you may be saying, what if I don't know what my gift is? Here's what I would say. Find a place in our church that's looking for people to serve and just start serving. Uh, 
God is not trying to keep this kid in from you. If you'll find a place of service, teach in a preschool class, hold a door open, drive a cart, be a greeter, serve at the welcome center, go to the nursing homes on Sunday afternoons and Saturday afternoons. Right? There's lots of opportunities for find a place. If you don't know where those are, call one of us, talk to another person in your Sunday school class, ask them to help you. We will find you a place to, to start serving. And what typically happens is as you start serving, the Lord begins to reveal where your spot is. Let's do it. Let's use our gifts for the glory of God and for the building of the body. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the way that you've gifted each one of us because of the Spirit's indwelling our soul. Lord, it's clear that we need to be a healthy church. And in order to do that, we need every member to use their gifts for the building of this body. Lord, reveal those things to us and help us to faithfully use them. Thank you that we don't have to be somebody. Thank you that we don't have to have personality, charisma. We don't have to have intensive training because they're spirit-empowered. They come from you and they're empowered by you. And we know that those things will always accomplish their purposes. So Lord, thank you for this incredible word this morning, your word, the word of truth. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org.